This time of year, I always feel I'm being like pulled in all these different directions. I love the back to school season. I love the fact that my eight-year-old and 11-year-old will be going back to school in just a couple of days. And I hold that with, in June, I love the fact that summer comes and that we can let go of some of the structure of school year and extracurriculars and all that. So I love the ebb and flow of the seasons, but there's something that always feels particularly jarring to me at this time of year. I said to Chris this morning, I got the kids up, the earliest they've been up, like all summer, and that was a win. A couple more days to make it to the earlier wake-up time for school. We'll get there. I was thinking even our church year sort of follows along in this back-to-school rhythm. Things are beginning to start up again. I was thinking about how every year we are the same people, we are the same church, we are St. John's, and we also start afresh. Actually, start afresh a few times in the church. We start afresh. It feels like this time of year, the back to school kind of fall gearing up time. We also start fresh again with the church year in Advent. And then we could think that we start fresh again with the celebration of Easter that'll come in the spring. There's all these times we have to open ourselves to new possibilities, to open ourselves to the ways in which the Holy Spirit is always working to transform us from the inside out, us as people, as individuals, and us as the collective worshiping, praying community of St. John's. We have a chance to be made new over and over again. The gospel story that we just heard from Luke. We spend a lot of time this year in Luke's stories about Jesus. Luke, I love Luke, he, I think, has an eye for the others. For those that aren't necessarily, aren't usually on the inside of things. Luke has the most stories about women or the Gentiles, the people that would have been less likely for Jesus to be interacting with um, in the first place. But Luke, I think Luke is, he's known for being um, a gospel writer with an eye towards hospitality. And I think of Luke as a gospel writer that focuses on the ways in which Jesus helps to expand and widen and open our imaginations and our understanding, and our acceptances. So Jesus has been invited to a Pharisee's house for a fancy meal with influential people. I imagine many of us have had similar experiences of being invited to a fancy meal with influential people. And the story, the the way we hear it, skips over a bit that actually happens in the way the gospel unfolds. But Jesus observes what's happening, and he tells a story. And I always miss this part. He tells a story. He offers a parable. What it sounds like is he's just giving some straight-up direct advice. But it's framed as a story. And he shows them through a story what he observed happening. Everybody kind of gently elbowing their way to the more important places, 
to the more influential places, which like sometimes it's a good place to be, especially if you have some good ideas that you want to share with somebody who's got the authority to help make things happen. It can be a good place to be. Jesus is inviting this group to reframe how they see things. He's drawing on the, the structure, the way society was ordered. He's also tapping into the way um, the shame culture worked, right? Back a couple thousand years ago in this space and time, there was a lot of honor and shame in the way we interacted with each other. So he's like, hey, it can be embarrassing if you choose the fancy seat and then someone comes along and says, hey, that's my seat, you're back there. So Jesus is like, hey, instead, why don't you just take that other seat, take one of the lower seats? Because isn't it better to be in the lower seat and be invited up? So that's this story of, you know, kind of general, why don't you try to live your life this way? And I've, like, grown up knowing this story and hearing about this story And I find that one of the challenging things for me, especially when I'm thinking about how I'm going to approach something in this setting, is to bring fresh eyes and fresh ears to what is happening here. In a sense, to um, borrow from other faith traditions, to bring that beginner's mind to this story. Jesus continues, and he turns to the Pharisee, his host, and says, oh, and by the way, the next time you have a dinner party or a lunch party, I've got some advice for you. Instead of inviting the influential people, your friends in the neighborhood or your family members, invite those that aren't usually invited. In the story, Jesus says, go out and invite the, the lame, the crippled, the poor to the table, to the feast. What sort of tables do you gather around? When was the last table you gathered around? I'm thinking to dinner last night and some other dinners I've had recently. But there are other tables besides tables around a meal where we gather. There are boardroom tables. There are tables in offices. There are tables in playgrounds, tables in schools. What sort of tables do you gather around? A mentor um, and friend of mine, Gabri Frere, I remember he used to say that when he was in a meeting, one of his practices was to look around and see who was present, to notice who was more vocal, maybe who hadn't said anything yet, and also to look for who wasn't there. That's challenging. I know that even though I live in the midst of a pretty big city, I live over the bridge in San Francisco, I'm in certain bubbles, right? There's certain schools that I'm a part of, there's certain grocery stores I visit, the local library I visit, my local neighborhood. Like, I move around in bubbles. So while I live in the midst of a lot of different people, it's easy for me to not see many of my neighbors. Who is missing from the table? At the 9 a.m., it was brought up that 
deeply embedded in the culture, in the DNA of St. John's, is that we are a house of prayer for all people. It's, in fact, you can see it outside the back door on your way out. We feel this so deeply, it is carved into the stone of this church. And the vision statement that our vestry created and developed just a couple years ago is that St. John's will be a spiritual home that welcomes all, loves and respects all, and serves all in Christ's name. It's really beautiful. Unfortunately, I'm going to let you in on a little insider. I was, I was saying to the 9 a.m. crew this morning, I was like, you know, that's how we see ourselves. I hope that others see ourselves like that too. I hope that people who are just coming for the first time or people in the neighborhood see us as a place that loves and respects and welcomes all. And we got some good feedback. There's a, a few newer 9 a.m. families, um, and they gave us some good feedback that that was their experience. So I was like, phew. <laughs> I'm glad we're living into that. And I am sure there are others out there that are not gathered at the table with us. Where are the tables that you gather? And who is there? Who is speaking? And who is missing? As we step into this season of recreation, of renewal, I am going to use this metaphor for the new lawn that we have out front a lot, I think, in the next few weeks. But when I returned from vacation and I saw just the lush opulence of the really green grass we have out front, it like stirred something deep within me. And I don't think I was noticing even how much dirt we had with the grass peeking through before I left for vacation because I've just come, just come to be how it looked. But it is, it is also very, very thick right now. It is like walking on a deep blanket. Can't help but notice it and take it in with eyes and with feet. And I want to like touch it and really experience it. There's such a generous opulence to this grass. And it's given me hope and inspiration for the time of year we're in, for the season. And I'm, I'm holding this feeling that like, we're still in the pandemic, but we're kind of not, or like this is the way things are now. And it does feel like there is new energy, new life, there is new creation that is happening. Not just for us as individuals, but for us as a church, for us as a group. I feel like the Holy Spirit is speaking through the lawn and saying like, look what is possible. There are so many ways St. John's can make an impact. There's so many ways St. John's can reach out and be this welcoming, loving place for all. There are so many ways that the Holy Spirit, I think, is speaking to all of us. And I wonder, I wonder what she's saying. In a few moments, we are going to gather all together at this table for a sacred meal that is open and offered to all. It's Jesus' table. Jesus, the teacher, who says, go out and invite those 
who aren't here to the feast. That's not a very Episcopal thing, to go out and invite others. And I do think what is a very Episcopal thing is to love the way we do things. And when we love something, we talk about it. When we love the way we do things, when we love the people we engage with, we talk about it. I wonder what could happen, what sort of renewal, what sort of rebirth, if we talked about what we love in spaces where we don't usually share those sorts of things. Wonder about people out there who might really, really thrive with a taste of who St. John's is, what St. John's has to offer. Wonder what is in store for us. Because we are all together, the church. And God is working inside this space, and God is working with those gathered far and near, and God is working out and about in the world. We are a people with momentum, with energy, with hearts on fire. We love, we love this place, and we love the people and the sorts of learnings and work we get to do. How may God use us to serve God and each other, but to serve all?